Welcome to the D&D Roundtable, your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, casts and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. Industrious Ferret is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you dropped us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. Welcome to the D&D Roundtable. This is your way to get the news about everything cool that's happening in D&D. Today, we are honored to be joined by the group of Red Dirt D&D. We will get you introductions to all of these people in just a moment. Uh, our icebreaker question today is, uh, give us your name, then tell us... Uh, how old you were when you started playing role-playing games and what that first role-playing games is. Uh, Ash, you're the, the person in charge here. Why don't you go first? Fearless, fearless leader always surging ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, oh gosh, so are we counting like, um, I think actually my first like technical RPGs were, were the Final Fantasy series. Okay, um, sure. That was like, yeah, that was my like introduction to RPGs back in the day and still love them. Um, technically, my first one was seven. Um, but yeah, and so that would be sometime, that would be high school. So that would be at least, at least 20 years ago now, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe like 15. Okay, all right. Absolutely, Final Fantasy 100% counts. Uh, who wants to go next? Actually, on my screen next is uh, is Michael Cross. Yes, hi there, everybody. Uh, I'm Michael Cross, and I actually started about 11 years old, and it was kind of almost in two games in the same period. There was the, the AD&D. Uh, back in 80, 81, 82, uh, started playing AD&D with friends. And the, almost the same weekend that I started playing D&D, my father came and picked me up one of my weekends with my father. And he took me to play what was called, at that time, the Fantasy Trip, which was a very simple, it was like 38 pages was the, 38 pages was the player's handbook. And it was by Steve Jackson, you know, Steve Jackson games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a mixture of TSR's D&D and the fantasy trip by Steve Jackson games. And that was 40 years ago. So it was, it's been a, quite a while. Those are both oldies, but goodies. Uh, Brooke Bullock, how about you next? 
Hey, it's good to be here, guys. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, I, I, Michael and I are the Michael and I are the old guys. So, I uh, started playing probably like twelve or thirteen, something like that, and um, it was the the red box of D and D basic, the one I think Meltzer, Metzler, something like that, with the the dragon and the treasure hoard and the guy with the shield swinging there. So that was my first um, that was my first intro to that, and um, and then it's mostly been, you know, some version of D&D, uh, Pathfinder, something like that, the entire gaming career. All right, that's good stuff. I'm also from that era, too. Ginny, uh, why don't you go next? You're next on my screen. Oh, man. Okay, so let's start back with this. First RPG that I played. God, now you're going to make me rack my brain so I don't contradict something I've said in a previous episode. Um, I think the first RPG that I played, you know, I have, I have no idea, but first one I remember playing, because <laughs> I had a late start on it, so, uh, D&D, um, played third edition, uh, and that was when I was in college, actually, didn't really have a lot of opportunity before then, so I, I was, like, 17 when I first played. D&D. And that, and, you know, and that was what she wrote. And that's been life. Yep. Yep. Uh, Kiri, what about you next? This is Kiri Hester. I'm gonna, I have a little bit of an unconventional RPG. I think The Sims counts. I mean, if you play it the way my husband and I play it, everybody's got a story and a personality. <laughs> the, the Sims that makes you the DM. <laughs> yeah yeah you're in control so that would have been like age like 10 <laughs> um playing with the sims i think as far as um more towards the way of of developing more plot and character and that kind of stuff um i started playing D 5e about uh, two years ago a year and a half two years ago uh, so that's kind of where I'm sitting at. 5e is a great place to start. It's like starting at second edition, but without having to go through a lot of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> yes. All right, Johnny Payne, uh, tell us more about yourself and uh, right. tell us when you started playing D&D or started playing your first role-playing game and uh, about how old you were. Well, I am 45 years old now. I started playing in the seventh grade, which was 12, 11, 12, the hell you are in the seventh grade. Um, yeah. <laughs> I popped up at school with a Batman Choose Your Own Adventure books. And mm. all the guys who were wearing the Motley Crue t-shirts and the Black Sabbath t-shirts walk over to me one day and say, nice book. You ever played Dungeons and Dragons? And I said, Dungeons and what? <laughs> and they... And, they invited me over, and it was all downhill from there. I played D&D forever. No, you know, no other game existed. Uh, we instantly jumped into AD&D uh, shortly after I started. Um, it went from there to I happened to pop up at a friend's house to drop something off while they're sitting down playing some White Wolf. And I was like, oh, what's this vampire thing? And one thing led to another. I unfortunately had my had my biggest success was with fourth edition 
that's when I was able to get friends, like personal real life friends to get together and play. Mm. Um, did anybody make a sign of the cross when I said that? I or, love 4E. Like I freaking uh, love 4E. So you will never get shade from me for it. All right. You and I are okay. on opposite okay. ends of the spectrum there, but you're fine. Go ahead. Everyone's yeah. right. allowed to be well, wrong. It's cool. I, I'm with you then. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know, jumped right into uh, did the five E beta test. Um, I mean, I jumped into it as, as fast and as hard as I could when it first came out, and um, that's when I discovered. So I did, you know, back in the day, the RPGA uh, before dinosaurs stepped on us and we couldn't show up at the conventions to play our games, and then um, that went away. And I met Ash at my first ever DDAL game. She was my first DM. And it was uh, the season of Tomb, and we were racing dinosaurs, and I was like, this is ridiculous. And then it wasn't. It turned out to be amazingly awesome. And up until um, the, the virus came around, I was up there every night playing with, with her, with somebody, with everybody. Um, and that's where I am now. All righty. Well, I, uh, I think I'm the old lady in the group. I will be 50 uh, in February, and I started playing when I was 11 with the red box and kind of went between red box and AD&D uh, for a while. And it's, I've never looked back. I've played nearly everything at least once. Alrighty, so let's go to our first question, which is, which is always the cool one. And Johnny, you've already kind of started with it. How did y'all meet each other? Uh, so that was how, like I said, I, um, Ash was my first DM. Um, that's how we met. And we see each other at conventions and Let me assure you, such. it's only downhill from there. It's, like if you're starting with Ash, you're going to have unreasonable expectations so for the rest of I, your life. I survived that and then got my booster shots. And then um, I, I, I'm not going to discuss the endeavor, but I had an endeavor once that put me in front of uh, Mike in a different podcast, um, the Oki podcast, and that's how I met that fine gentleman, uh, Mr. Cross, and uh, I was a guest on his podcast for a few different things here and there, and then I we started following each other on Facebook, and I saw him, uh, he started um, uh, posting stuff about D&D &D and everything, and I was like, oh, hey, that's really cool, and then I met uh, these other two at the audition, and it was just organic mush since then it's been fantastic yeah love, love it first sight yes so piggy, sure. piggybacking off of you know the the, the gushy lovey-doveyness that johnny you know puts on us but <laughs> um no so what basically what happened was um so michael and i met through the adventures league program uh through extra life um he came mm. to uh, one of our extra life events three years ago now yeah, I had actually, when I say that I, I started with D&D, I quit in the late 80s, quit playing D&D completely. When second edition came out, I was like, I'm, I'm done. And you just didn't like second edition? I just, I just, I figured there were other things to do. By that time, there were girls. Um, and so <laughs> Fair. I, I just, I, I just got rid of D&D. And then in three years ago, I wanted to play D&D. I, I was hearing a lot about 5e. And so I went to an extra life event with my son, who at that time was 14 years old. No, at that time he was 11 years old. He was, he was a baby. He was so it's before he discovered girls. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and we both just fell in love with 5e. And now 
he is actually my dungeon master uh, at 14 years old. He's my dungeon master on my Saturday night game. Oh, he needs so. parenting win. Well, I'm going to get my dad got me into it, into D&D. So it's three generations of playing Dungeons and Dragons now. I think he should meet yep. Fenway, right? Because they're doing the thing with more yeah. teen DMs. Yes. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm but- amazing. Uh, but yeah, so we so we kind of met through we met through Extra Life and we met through um, we met through Adventures League, um, and eventually just started playing together a lot um, and kind of got to the point where because um, Michael, um, you know, he's um, he is a host at uh, KOSU Radio, uh, one of their morning hosts, and he does his own uh, Okie Geek podcast and he just kept like looking at me and like ash you need to do a podcast like you need to do a podcast and I was like okay Mike I have I have the creative know-how and like the acting chops but I I know like absolutely nothing about like the tech side of it so we combined our forces (laughs) tech side is very intimidating Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm. I am. Fr- I am awed and frightened at the abilities that Michael has. Um, but yeah. So he. So as I like to say, he's my enabler. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm the creative <laughs> one, and he's the enabler. Um, but so fast forward. So we started talking in like December. So December of 2019 was when we like really got serious about doing the podcast. And then after that, we were like, okay, we're going to do a, we're going to do an audition in March. Well, what happened in March? The Rona. Yeah, the the Rona. (laughs) The Rona. Um, When the before time ended. Yes. Right? Before the before times. So we were, because we we had our date set, we were ready to go, you know, we'd gotten permission from the studio to record and everything was chug along happy happy and hunky dory and then oklahoma shuts down and we go into shutdown for about about 4 weeks um but once once shutdown finally lifted and we kind of got that date we were like okay now we're doing this so we we put out a call and we got these these uh these three people in addition to some others but these three people were the ones we liked the best. So Brooke, uh, Kiri, and Johnny. And the rest is history. Yeah, absolutely fell in love with them when they did their auditions. We thought they were fabulous, and they, they were. And they brought their characters that they use in our game to the audition. So we got to hear them actually doing accents and actually doing their characterizations already. And, like, this, is, this fits perfectly. So how do, you, how do you do an audition for a podcast? I ask because I got one. I mean, everybody's no. got their own podcast these days. <laughs> I'm just interested in how you how you skin that cat. It, it depends on the, for us, of course, since we were doing something like a, an actual play, Dungeons and Dragons. We actually brought them in. Ash ran them through. Was that a, a season five? Was that a? It's a, it's a an adventure that might be familiar to you, Paige. Um, I think it's called The Black Road. <laughs> well, yes, I don't think that Paige one knows that, that one. I think that was a Bethesda yeah, yeah. product, right? Bethesda did it, right? <laughs> Microsoft owns it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, we actually, so I, I picked that one because I knew, well, A, I knew the adventure because, you know, I'd run it at, at Dragon Con and I'd, I'd, I've run it so many times that, you know, it's second nature by now. But 
it was such a good adventure in terms of like it had a little bit of everything you know it has a little bit of combat a little bit of exploration a little bit of role play so it really tested these guys's chops as far as like what we were what we were kind of looking for is people who knew Dungeons and Dragons but could also improv and, and act so that was at least that was our stated goal doing the audition was we had to find people who knew their knew their stuff they had to know the rules so they could break them I believe was my quoted words and you guys also started us off with a like a like a digital submission of send in your character sheet and yeah. and I assumed yeah. that was to see if we knew how to build the character but I'm also guessing you were probably looking at like backstory and personality stuff to see if we invested in that now I could be wrong but that's what that's the feeling I got because everybody I think there were like 12 or 14 final there were 11 there were 11 people who find who we had to whittle down from right we had six yeah. in the first group and five in the, in the second we had actually two groups of, of players yeah for yeah. two hours each so and the folks that were in my circle which Kiri was maybe were both of were we we, all three we of you were in the same in first group. All of us were together, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember being so <laughs> intimidated by their ability to role play that I was just like, holy crap, this is this is a quality group of people. Uh, and then and then to know that there was a second group that was auditioning as well, I we just had no idea. I, I had no idea how it was all gonna play out. But but however Ash and Michael picked that group of eleven to audition, they they brought the the great people to the table they were all wonderful so good yeah i remember um we were sitting in, in the adventure there was a scene where we we're just inside of a tent uh, like a refreshment tent and there were remember that the uh, tiefling guards the door uh, etc mm -hmm. and it, it kind of got away for a minute where it was like we could spend the rest of the day sitting in here role-playing and not and, and not, it was just it was just effort, it was effortless it was effortless it just it worked so well together and so yeah it felt really good and then whenever the um whatever you know it was hey you've you've been selected it was like oh I, who else you know and it was super exciting that it was that it was these people as well that, that we had an experience with it was great Okay, so yeah. I hear you saying these these awesome characters are kind of what got you on to the show so. I'm sure all our listeners want to know, you know, let's get to the, you know, the all important question of any D&D session. Introduce your characters. We yeah, have to do the voice, do the start. voice. We have to start with America's favorite halfling. That's right. That's what I was thinking too. Kiri? Um, hi. I'm still Kiri Hester. Um, but my character is a little halfling druid, um, circle of land, desert specifically, because that seemed like a great idea because we're hanging out in the desert for this campaign. Um, and her name is Poppy Tealeaf and she is the daughter of the biggest um, tea um, guy, producer, producer and company. And he's kind of holding the monopoly over the tea trade in Ratoya. Um, and she's just the sweetest, kindest, Hat little halfling you'll ever meet until you try to make decisions for her, and then she's gonna turn into a snake and bite you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Carrie, do you have anything to drink over there? I have some sweet tea. <laughs> it's actually a little low, but it is delicious. Well, if you want some whiskey, you let me know. 
Yeah, we fell in love with Carrie's accent the first time she did the. Oh, she's the sweetest little. My name is Poppy Tea Leaf. I was like, that she's done. She's in. That's, that's, we're having. Over. <laughs> we gotta have her. Let's see. So, um, go ahead. I thought it had to have been something like that because uh, my, I didn't give much in the way of a character sheet. It was just a name and some <laughs> stats. Uh, and um, the first message I got back. After sending that character sheet was we love this name because it's an amazing name um, and it inspired the whole tea trade kind of backstory. So it all really came from a name in that respect. Ash, is that true? Did that the whole the whole tea trade came from from uh, Kiri's submission of her name? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> it's I made that up and Ash let me do it. It's fine. <laughs> It's as long improv, as the GM guys. lets you do it. Right. I let these people get away with a lot of stuff. What are you talking about? That's what's so awesome with Ash is that Will, I mean, especially, I'm not trying to step on you, Carrie. Uh, just going to jump in with that real fast. Um, like, Zonimus will just make something up off the top of his head and then, you know, glance over at Ash and, and they're like, hmm, cocking my eyebrow and start typing. I'm like, yeah, that's going to come up. That's going to come up later. Yeah. The anyway, DM sorry. will remember that. <laughs> I just, I just love how organic it, it all is, and it's, it, I, don't, I don't know if you had an idea in your head, but it's probably totally gone now. It's, it's destroyed. We've, we've taken over. And Johnny, why don't you <laughs> the, the, tell us a little bit more about Zonimus? Um, Zonimus. Uh, <laughs> I'm bad at names. Hi, hi, Ash. Um, hi. So, his name is Zonimus. Who's next? <laughs> oh come on there's there's so all many right he's not that much of a mystery um so funny thing about how zonimus was created the the call was to make a make a level one character and send in your uh D, D experience and your acting resume and i was like cool and i updated my acting resume sent that in wrote up some D, &D experience and sat down on D, &D beyond and thought what am i going to do crazy thing is in all my life of D and D, running it, well, running it doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, but all the years playing it, I've never played a rogue. And Wait. I thought, you know what? I'm what? What my what Brooke? Uh, really? No, I, I, I am shocked I've, by the revelations that I am I, learning about these people already. I've right. never, I've never played a rogue. Um, no, this is it's it's. That's a it's, lot of years playing D and D to to not play rogue. Is that was there keep a, a class reason? Out. Yeah. Or uh, well, I, I've also I I have. A few years ago, I did play a fighter up to nine, but I was like, oh, I can stab things. Oh, I can stab things again was sort of my outlook on it. And I want to reach into a bag and pull out a miracle and do things. So um, bard, paladin, um, cleric is a big thing. Mm -hmm. my, my big go-to has been druid and warlock in fifth edition. Um, but... So I made the rogue and I showed up and I was under the understanding that because we were going to explore the the frontier, that we were not from the frontier. So Zonimus showed up and he was really excited and his voice was a little bit high and he was wide-eyed and oh, the riches I can find. And he had a backstory um, that didn't really fit the theme. So we, we changed that. But then once we got there and we got rolling and we did our episode zero, it was explained that we are from here. We're just going further into here. And so Ash and I sort of, it was sort of a passing in the hall. Uh, they grabbed me and said, hey, how do you feel about 
spoiler alert here. And I said, I love it. Let's go with it. And it's mostly just grown organically. We've had a few conversations online behind the scenes um, about Zonimus's backstory. Um, it's it's out now. If everyone's up to date, he um, he's not just your typical rogue. Oh, he's shady because he's a rogue. Or oh, watch your coin purse. He's a rogue. He was an outlaw that ran with a pretty infamous gang that lost its leadership, and that leadership was eventually replaced. Not by Zonimus. Zonimus was betrayed as someone climbed the ladder. Betrayed. Ooh. He he betrayed me. He broke my heart. He wow. left me for dead. He. This is some real Red Dead Redemption sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 So I didn't, I haven't played. I don't know. I need to play it. Um. I mean, the th so the thing I love about it, uh, at least from my point of view, is that. So I I give Johnny these little just these little hints and these little seeds, and he takes it and just runs with it no matter what I do. So it's a beautifully like mutual relationship in terms of I give these people things and then they give me things in return, and mm -hmm. so it just grows. Cause I like cause I looked at Johnny and I was just like like when we were talking about like his. Uh, how he related to uh, Wiley, the ex, the leader of the gang. And I think I just like told Johnny, I was like, so, and maybe there was a little bit of a crush there from like Wiley's perspective. And then it came out with the betrayal and the heartbreak and the oh, bitter no. exes. And, uh, I have emotional, uh, I've got physical <laughs> and emotional scars from, <laughs> from that one there. And uh so where Zonimus is now is he wanted to go straight. So he stopped doing heists and started gambling. Because gambling's straight, right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> nothing up my sleeve. It's legitimate. You know, yes. Yeah. Um, so I have to carry a gun to that. So then he hears this opportunity uh, to go and map the Cal the Calvan frontier for the uh, rail line, for the Black Hand rail line. So he jumps on that and realizes it wasn't a solo gig and is now in league with these three. And he sees something unique in each one of them. And one, he sees uh, what he wants to become and knows he never will. He sees what he once was and he sees, uh, he sees Gideon. <laughs> uh, it's it's still it's still there, That's there are a hell of a there, down. there are still many sequels. I was wondering, be wondering which one was which until you just said that. <laughs> there are still many secrets, and I thought so... I had the deck for who was who, and then you said, and then there's Gideon. I think you're doing a Zonimus yeah. on me right now, but I'm not real sure. <laughs> and uh, so Gideon, uh, Gideon and I are parents, and I will let Gideon explain that to you. <laughs> okay, Gideon. Okay, well, okay, Michael Cross here. I played Gideon Block, uh, the Paladin, which uh, Paladin is, is really weird for me. I, I've Now this is my third Paladin. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm really good at Paladins. They almost always either die or get really close to dying. Uh, As fact, they should. On my Saturday night room when I'm playing with my son, my son has actually killed me twice as a Paladin. Um, so, um, so uh, yeah, I I'm pretty sure my character's gonna end up dead, but he is a from the Calban frontier, born and raised there, and then moved to the big city. Uh, met a beautiful woman, they fell in love. He they had a child, and then um, 
he was working for a detect as a private investigator, turned in the bad guy. The bad guy got loose and then killed his wife and child. Ooh, no. And sent me into a bottle for 14 years. So I am a recovering alcoholic, which in a D&D campaign, not drinking is weird. Yeah. I could definitely yeah. see that. You could start every every adventure at the tavern with a glass of water. I no, e- no, every episode, Zonimus is trying to get him and Poppy to drink. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, we all, Gideon, the paladin, but also Kiri. Kiri's the same way. Uh, not Kiri. Sorry. Poppy is the same way. Yeah. Well, you have to remember that Poppy is a whopping 35 pounds. So yeah. one whiskey is going to be we- more... We've can. gotten a few drinks into Poppy, and uh, an, a, a very special NPC has gotten a few drinks into Poppy. So yeah. that, that tolerance is being built. Yeah. And so when, when we met Poppy, she was dressed up as a boy because she's trying to escape from her father, who was trying to get her married off to this other guy. And we're going to take Poppy along with her. She's dressed up as a little boy. And we go out on the town in our, in our episodes or session zero, basically, which became our pilot episode. And we became her two dads. We were we were Greg Evigan and two men and a half Riser. Yeah. It was I think, a- I, I, think I, I think Johnny was the, the Paul Riser character though. Um, but you know, and so it's kind of even though she's become she's gotten back into dress, she's become the, the female druid of, of the group, she's become our daughter and she's she we're trying to protect her, but unfortunately we're also realizing that she's incredibly powerful as a druid and so there's a point in fact actually our first battle when she turns into a huge rattler and just she takes out half the bad guys like okay we really don't need to do anything you're, you're fine you can take care of yourself but yeah we basically adopted her or she's adopted us as one of those two we entered the tavern and i believe my exact words were don't mind me just a small human boy and my two dads uh yes <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sure, it happened. Uh, did it in your mind? Did it happen at the at the kind of Wild West Rotoya showcase? Is that when maybe Poppy kind of first got the idea? No, it was in the tavern before we got there. Even yeah. before that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I just, will say, at the cowboy show, I um, get up on Gideon's shoulders so that I'm not at butt level with all these animals. And uh, Gideon, or Michael, in describing Gideon, talks about, oh, he kind of gets a sad look in his face. And that was when me as a player, oh, he has a dead child somewhere, and I am that replacement. And I was real sad about that. And I was like, I have to be the best child for Gideon now. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) And at at the carnival, when you couldn't see and you got on his shoulders, it was just, it was deep. Just like proud papa. Years. We've, no had some, we've had some moments in the show. We, we try not, uh, unlike a lot of shows, which will be uh, uh, the actual play D&D, they kind of try to be more funny, more humorous. We've got our funny moments, but we really tried to really tell a good narrative story. And that means uh, we've got Johnny's Zonimus character has some serious things in his past. And I've got some serious things in my past. So there's some stuff we've got to deal with. And the the ending of episode eight, I think, was just heart wrenching. It was, it was, and for, for us, we were in tears. I, like I was shook from so much of episode eight. It was, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I think I went quiet had... in Discord for a few days because I didn't even know how to talk to anybody. We definitely had to check in with Johnny, like, as a friend and as players, like, outside <laughs> of the game, are you okay? Yeah. Ash, Ash kind of did. It was... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brooke. But yeah. That's, I mean, that's what makes it great. That's what, that's what makes it great. Brooke, I'm the cool dad, by the way. Brooke, tell him about your character. <laughs> yeah, Brooke, you're the last one. Okay, so uh, yeah, Mokrin Stoneshaper uh, is uh, is a is a is a tall, lanky dwarf. He's not thick and and squat like a lot of folks um, often picture dwarves. And in my mind, that because that comes because he's also has some sorceress background. He has some a sorcerer bloodline that's in him, um, and he's never quite fit in. Um, he tends to be. In technical terms, in mechanical terms, he's chaotic instead of lawful. If you want to follow kind of that dwarven stereotype, and that that's just troublesome when you're, you know, don't fit in, and it's hard to follow the rules. And and uh, his wisdom tends to be his wisdom is lower than most. Uh, and so, and and my dice never fail me. I chose the right <laughs> dice for that every single time. It's a wisdom save. You might as well just go ahead and mark him down as. He's out because that'll happen. Well, you've got um, the dwarven cheating dice. <laughs> I need to get some for sure. So <laughs> Zonimus should hook him up. Um, but uh, but yeah, he um, is. Is it known what kind of sorcerer's background he has? He is. He's. It's actually from Unearthed Arcana, and it's a stone sorcery, um, which I just put that in the original submission. I thought, you know, if they don't like that will then they don't like it and then then i won't make it um but it actually has worked out really well and then once again ash and her weaving is just fantastic uh she's just done such fantastic things with that uh sometimes she'll say this is wonderful run with that and other times she'll say hey what if you know and then and then just drop a seed um with that i wanted him to be different i didn't want to come in and i didn't want to come in and be like I we're the basic dwarfs that you always have are you know like that type of pirate slash Irish thing that you get with with dwarves, and so I came in originally and he and I gave in the in the audition, Makran um, uh, had Russian accent. He was Russian, and that was where we come with with Russian. And I had always planned for his common to be heavily accented, but for his dwarven to be very noble. And when Makran talks in dwarven. Even now, uh, he he falls here into this register and is very noble and, and eloquent in the words that he knows. Um, Ash said, of course, this is great, but it's going to be a Western. And so uh, that's when we change it. And, and uh, you know, Mockerin just has to get in there and understand the situation. And, um, and then his register drops. And so, you know, he he comes in and he just sometimes he don't even have the willpower or self-control to, to have the sense of a jackaloo. And that's Mokrin. That's it. And so, it's that stuff I love. Like when something exciting happens and you're like, steaming whistles. I, I love your exclamations. Brooke, <laughs> I just threw down a bag of hammers. Brooke is the best, like yes. when it comes to coming up with just those off the cuff, like colloquialisms that mm -hmm. make the world feel like it makes it with feel it. more real because they would have their own slang, they would have their own colloquialisms. And so, I don't know what it is, but Brooke is just so good at like off the cuff coming up with those 
I think like my favorite one that like was just in our last recording session was the um I feel like an auroch looking at a at a new at a new line of track or something. It was just so good. Well, and this off. and this is a natural segue to the next question because <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners are going to have their minds blown by this. So this is obviously not Forgotten Realms that you're playing <laughs> in. It is obviously not Greyhawk, nor is it Eberron. So tell us more about this world and the setting that this tale is taking place in. I would love to, because this is my baby. <laughs> um, so this setting is uh, basically, it's, it's referred to as, as the Kalban Frontier, which it is a heavily, heavily Western inspired. So again, like my inspiration that I wrote down was like classic Lone Ranger. Like, this might be so, the only awesome. campaign where my accents are good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so, so classic Lone Ranger, classic kind of like tombstone, and all of the you know all of the great westerns. That's where all of this kind of comes from. But it's it's set again. So we're we're all from Oklahoma. You know, that's 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 where born and raised. We live here. We love it. Um, and we really wanted to kind of reflect the world that we live in in a fantasy world so it's it's roughly vaguely kind of americana-ish you've got steam trains and railroad tracks and sheriffs and saloons and these very again just these very kind of western western tropes and western ideals so it takes a little bit from that weird west genre and mashes it up with the the fifth edition races. So we've got um, the elves and the orcs are the native peoples of this area. And like the orcs, I basically describe them. It's like, what if basically like, what if the Lakota, instead of just hunting buffalo, like actually started to manage the buffalo herds. And so they they actually do like the cattle drives where they'll they'll bring the aurochs in <clears throat> to sell you know to sell the meat or whatever, um, and then like you've got the elves who are kind of kind of almost like the Cheyenne in the sense that like they're the ones who kind of go out and they're not too keen on people coming into their lands and trying to take over stuff, so they're they're much more likely to whip up a war band and like start trying to push people out. Um, the dwarves basically can be described as like the land barons. So think like the JP Morgans and the Carnegies. That's what the dwarves are. Um, and then of course, you know, the humans are just, humans are humans. <laughs> doing human things. So doing, doing human things. I've been through Oklahoma, stopped in Oklahoma, barely missed getting destroyed by a tornado in Oklahoma. <laughs> My impression of Oklahoma was um, that it's red. Yes. So I, you know, red dirt D and D. So I'm taking it yep. like, like that's a big theme on yours with your imagery and stuff. It's very much just like the open red dirt plains of Oklahoma, um, with that, that red clay. Yep. that we have that red soil. Tumbleweeds. No, no one has a basement in Oklahoma because the dirt <laughs> would shift to destroy the basement. <laughs> they say kids playing D and D in their basement. We didn't play D and D. Yeah, it's it's. The dirt here is literally hell. It tries to get you. There were no basements where I grew up either. West Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the accents. 
they're not made up they're real (laughs) (laughs) well like i said like for us like all i had to tell these people was like okay take like take whatever your natural like oklahoma twang is and just push it a little farther and that's that's where we get like most of the voices for for the characters just taking our natural voices and our natural western accents and pushing them just a little farther to the left in poppy's case i added just a little bit of georgia as well (laughs) so so you mentioned uh your setting was based on kind of the 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 old Lone Ranger or the original Mag 7 or the old classic uh, style spaghetti westerns. Uh, The source material has quite a helping of racism and misogyny in it. How did you, how did you deal with that in your world? So for us, like, for us, it's kind of weird because growing up, so growing up in Oklahoma, um, again, being Indian territory, we are exposed to like that part of history um, and all parts of that history. So we know the good, the bad, and the ugly about, you know, the people who were forced here. Um, And when you say forced there, you're talking about like the Cherokee and Trail of Tears. Yeah, the the Trail of Tears, the Cherokee. Well, again, it was like so so many of the tribes that like are known in Oklahoma, they are not historically. This was not the territory that they lived in. So it wasn't just the five; it was a lot of them. (laughs) But kind of from that, it's so building from the world up. um, This world is built very. Uh, matrilineal and so the people who that the NPCs that these uh, that they encounter do tend to be the actual like they are the native peoples of this land and they're the ones who are still controlling it and are basically kind of controlling the story and it's the dwarves who are acting as that force to kind of come in and like they've kind of put the whole idea of, oh, let's go out there and civilize these people. But these people kind of look at them and scratch their heads and say, what? No, we're already civilized. We, we have our own ways about how we live and what we do. And actually, Michael, if, if I remember right, you and the sheriff have a conversation about that. We, did, we started we in one area where we were talking and I was, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to talk about mapping the Caliban frontier and she goes off on a sheriff. Well, maybe these people are already civilized and don't want you coming in. So we had a whole manifest destiny discussion <laughs> in the middle of our podcast. I'm like, this is incredible. This is, yeah. this is a history teacher's dream right here. In yeah. character. It was it was Giddy yeah. and Reza Bravestar. You, that's who was having the conversation. And yeah. Reza is so the sheriff of the town that they're in, she's uh she's half orc, half elf. Um, and like, that's one of the things, at least in here that, that I kind of, like I put in the campaign guide was like, yeah, a vast majority of the people that you're going to run into are these orcs who are native to this place. And the most common, like half orc, like most common half orcs are also half elves. Um, so we kind of get away from a little bit of that, like, oh, they're kind of the rough and tumble you know no they're these it's it's very strange they've got like the 
the badassery build of an orc with the uh, looks of an elf. So it's are they mechanic? Are the half orc half elves any different than the half orcs as presented in the player's handbook? Uh, not from a mechanical standpoint. It's more so what I what I put in the campaign guide was like use use those kind of stats as you would normally. So like if it's if if the person expresses more of that elven side, then use the half elf like stats. If they you if they're if they express more of that orcish side, then go ahead and use the half orc. So um, keep question that brings up for me there, like if you have a character who say for instance like kind of goes back and forth between those as far as like their you know their expressions like can you like when you start in a session be like feeling more more half work today <laughs> feeling more half elf today more I mean, for, for simplicity today. you'd stick with it for the entirety of the session at least but like that does bring up you know interesting uh just like mechanical concepts especially with like the way your setting is set up and like humans not the default and that's great yeah no it's it's one of those things that like um it's one of those things that, like i want to find a better and i think maybe with tasha's coming out with some of those those changes to um so with with the with the possibility that that tasha's may open up like that'll become a little easier because i haven't found i haven't found the way that i would want to do it just yet like i'm still i'm still kind of debating on it because like for me right now it's just kind of you know pick pick whichever one that you think fits better for your concept yeah and the the, in the one episode i'm editing right now which is was episode 13 that we just recorded the past weekend johnny uh play his character is technically half elven but the way he describes his character is half elf half orc and so he only kind of has this half elven look to him he's his bottom teeth are, although it doesn't have the tusks out, it does make the, the bottom kind of jut out. And so he, he, you can, he has the description of him and with his elven and orcish ancestry that he describes both in his appearance. So Ash asked me once whenever I just, my favorite question when someone says they're playing a half elf is which half? Um, Ash asked me, uh, they said, Less, what's the left other half, half or right half? It, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ash asked me, what's the other half? And I got to thinking, I was like, wow, that's never been presented before. I, because I love the half elf. And I got to thinking about the backstory of the setting, and I'm like, orc. Let's go with orc, but. Dad, you know, so dad was the elf, mom was the orc, and when a lot, and I think I feel like a lot of the half elf orcs that we've met have been more orcish looking. So I'm more elven looking, but uh, big, more more jawline, and so the tusks instead of popping up out of the mouth and going into points, they they stop and they're flat. But like where these three teeth here would be are just two like giant thumb sized teeth. So. And that's also where the, the deeper voice comes in instead of the more lighthearted uppity voice. And then the way that it's, it's been laid out for me is I'm going to blame my orc side for the wisdom that Zonimus has. He has wisdom. Stop laughing. Um, for, for the wisdom that Zonimus has and then, and then being, uh, you know, lift and, and sneaky and such as, as the elf side. Um, and if I can, 
real fast page, uh, touch on the question that you initially asked that, that uh, about how we deal with you know, misogyny and everything. It, it, it got asked once, it was like, you know, you guys are Poppy's dad. Has, that, that's gonna bring up questions, people are gonna mention it. And then we find out Zonimus's relationship with one of the big evil bad guys of the story, um, that there was like real, real love there. And I thought, you know, here's how Zonimus is gonna handle it. He doesn't recognize any, I, I'm old, I'm 45. I blow pronouns all the freaking time just because of bad habits of my mouth. Zonimus was born into just whatever, just, you know, love. So when someone's like, well, well, you were in love with that guy, it's a guy. And he's just going to be like, so, and take a shot of whiskey. And, and that's, it's just because there's nothing to him. Why are you even asking me this question? It doesn't. So our world completely doesn't exist in the D and D world. It's, right. it's just you as an individual asking me this question is like, why would you even ask me that? He's hot, pun intended. He's a fire genie, but <laughs> I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, very hot. So uh, I, I have, like I said, I have, I have emotional and physical scars. Um, but, but yeah, in the, in the ways, and, and with the orcs, for example, I've seen so far, I've seen orcs uh, drive cattle and hard labor. I've seen orcs run a freaking carnival circus full, every, every piece of every act of every vendor, every entertainment, everything was orc run. And in Zonimus's backstory, uh, the way I'm playing it out in my mind is he was uh, rescued by a orc, an orcish uh, you know, witch doctor, very wise that you know taught him some things that may not have come out yet, um, and and so that's it's just I love the escapism of D and D and RPGs, and and I through Zonimus am trying really hard to push that of we're not going to fight the the system because there's no system here. Right. And it also I'm going to deny we, the existence of a system. <laughs> yeah, we favorite. also have a patron. Uh, our pantheon is also female, very female based, with a earth goddess and her three daughters, uh, who are basically the mother maiden crone. So it it we we well I mean obviously they're not the mother maiden. I mean it's kind of the aspect, <laughs> but it still allows for the fact that we aren't dealing with a patrilineal society in Calvin. And that takes away a lot of the misogyny. It takes away a lot of that stuff that was very Wild West and kind of opens the door to, well, what it's supposed to be, which is fantasy. And, and it's, still, it's still that kind of gritty, rough and tumble world, but without having to be a bunch of, you know. Those are their favorite like recurring uh, NPCs are the, the lesbian orc couple that runs the stables. <laughs> who become Poppy's two moms. Who've become Poppy's two moms. So Poppy has two dads and two moms. So it's all good. It, so it, she gets really hard for double the dad jokes me. in an infinite <laughs> circle of go ask your mother. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and kind of, yeah, kind of going back to it, it's like, I think part of my whole thing is that like, we don't shy away from it in terms of like, yes, that was technically something that kind of did exist. But in the same vein, it's kind of like there's there's a lot of things that we acknowledge they exist, but at the same time, it's like okay, we're not necessarily going to deal with them. Like in terms of because uh, we want to make it better. That's the thing is that we want to like be be the change you want to see in the world. So our our world is kind of different in the sense that yes, we have all of these characters and NPCs that are 
we don't hide it. We come right out and say, yeah, we have these two lesbian orcs who are in a very loving relationship. The, the bartender who runs the saloon is very pretty and very androgynous and they're not sure what Jubilee is and that's what that's how Jubilee likes it is there Jubilee is fantastic that's what Jubilee is I that's what Jubilee we, we all love I plan on I plan on breaking a heart before I leave the last <laughs> <laughs> or you know Jubilee or again and then you know we have our main you know technically our main uh our main antagonist Wiley Smokes was you know in in a previous relationship with our rogue and you know it just it's the way things are and we don't apologize for it but it's also so very subtle i mean it's well subtle's not right not the right word it's very obvious but yet at the same time i don't know maybe johnny was saying it it's just it's just normal like you know people don't make first, a big deal out of it yeah when mm -hmm. we first meet right. the blacksmith and the stable master or mistress i guess might be the right word there and they're yelling at each other across the street you know it, which is hilarious by the way in that episode because it's actually turning her head one way and then turning her head the other way as she has a conversation with herself you know oh you filthy war get back in there and work no i'll be quiet i can't even do it it's hilarious um <laughs> and it was so like we just all went with it and flowed with it and it's like oh yeah they're a couple like no big deal and it was it's just it's it's not it's not um it's it's there's not any type of um Gosh, I'm sorry that I'm not getting the word. There's not any type of agenda here. It's just the world. It's just the way it is. And it's wonderful. So so how did you build uh, the Caliban Frontier? Oh. Is there is there a supplement is somewhere? Can people buy it? Can people kickstart it? Can people get access to an we overview? You got a campaign PDF? Now my wheels are turning. Are we sending, yeah. are we sending it out bits and pieces on Carrier Pigeon? Like... <laughs> Patreon, yeah, Patreon. On Patreon. Yes. So we do have, so we do have our Patreon. Um, so you can you can support support our show that way, and we we would love you five ever, which is one longer than forever. Um, I have not yet released the released the campaign guide itself. I wrote one. It's it's a pretty hefty guide. It's like thirty pages worth of lore and worth of. Stuff just to get these guys' wheels, their, their little hamster wheels turning. Because that's what I wanted also was just, I, I set the stage and these four other fantastic people helped me go out and create the world. So it's, it's probably going to be something that kind of comes out in bits and pieces where like, I think because because they've asked me, I need I'm working on a supplement that's like the the legends and the gods, so that they can have more information there. But it's also very much like I I let Brooke handle a lot of the dwarf stuff. I let Kiri handle a lot of the halfling stuff, um, just because I don't. Which makes the players more invested in the world. Yes, it's ve very um, much a living world. Yes, it's, it's it's very very alive and it's. It's nice because then that frees my mind up to think about other things. But um, there is a high chance that an edited version of that campaign guide may become available for patrons. Um, and so, if you want to join us in in the Callban Frontier and in this world, uh, you are more than welcome to. Um, I have released some of the because um, I, I have created three or four supplemental 
what's the word I'm looking for, subclasses. Um, I wrote a, there's a paladin oath that is available through our Facebook, um, the mm-hmm. Oath of the Silver Star, which- Oh, nice. Yes. That's, that's what I'm playing. Michael. So a sheriff, sheriff-based yeah. paladin, yeah. yeah. Yes, um, so there's the Oath of the Silver Star. There is the, the water cleric. Um, I created the water domain being, you know, a, a desert. <laughs> um, clerics and druids who can create, who have that create water, they're in, they're in high demand. Um, and then I wrote a, um, a warlock pact. That is, I want someone to take it just so we can show it off in the show. Hey, but, as soon uh, as my character dies, I'll take it, I promise. Yeah, yeah, as soon, as soon as I, okay, so I just, I just have to kill Gideon, right? As soon as Gideon dies, of natural causes. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, natural causes. (laughs) (laughs) Now Johnny's taking notes. Zombies can't handle being a single dad. He can't handle it. (laughs) God, that isn't Gideon single dad. Gideon single dad. (laughs) You can't guarantee Um, that the new guy will want to be a co-parent with you. That's right. He's a warlock. He'll be a jerk. You know he will be. Um, but it's it's a warlock of uh, of sneaky coyote. So we have a uh, oh sneaky coyote. Sneaky coyote. Yeah, there's a god. Uh, one of the one of my trick my trickster god is is the sneaky coyote, and you know who is based off of um, the coyote of um, Plains Indian legend. So he's such you know it's he's one of those figures that you can't you can't go two inches without tripping over him in some way or another around here huh i didn't notice there's a a very interesting seed that is in episode 10 or 11 maybe and and it involves zonimus and sneaky coyote and i'm really as a as a listener i'm really excited to see what does that mean and where is this going so sure sure But there's yeah, so there's a warlock. There's a warlock pack for that. I I think that that might have been released. It may have been one of the ones that I was kind of holding back on. Um, but extra life is coming up. I could be convinced to release some things for some donations, like stats for a jackalope. <laughs> <laughs> no, Poppy desperately wants a jackalope. So, what are jackalopes in your campaign? Are they, like they they scary, terrifying monsters? Are they kind of cute little know. bunny kids? They're an inside joke that will never see the light of day. We don't know. They're legend. We haven't have, seen one. We haven't found out yet. I'm I'm still I'm still mulling over it and can still be convinced one way or the other. We are Johnny passionately split on the jackalope. Oh, sorry, <laughs> talked over you, Johnny. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's fine. No, I was well, just gonna say we we are definitely split. <laughs> The tavern we had, uh, when we walk into the last stop, the tavern is named the Jumpin' Jackalope. And Poppy has had this book of animals that she'd find in the Caliban frontier. The snakes and wolves and coyotes and bears and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden she sees this jackalope figure. And she's like, oh, what, 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 what is that? I'm like, oh, I was afraid of this. That's a jackalope. That's a made up creature. And then I went, wait a minute, I'm playing D&D. That's maybe a made-up creature. I don't know. There's <laughs> Ash typing. Yes, <laughs> typing the Ash anytime, anytime we can tell she goes to the notebook tab on her laptop where we're sitting there gaming, we all just get really nervous and give each other looks like you did that. You just <laughs> like oh you have spoken this into existence. 
I think I think my favorite one right now that I'm kind of leaning towards is the uh, it's uh, it's got the abilities of a tarasque, but it's you know the size of a <laughs> the size of a jackrabbit. <laughs> So it's the rabbit from Monty Python, but worse. I'm horrified. <laughs> Who's got the wish ring? Oh, we just need a wish ring. We are all going to die. <laughs> no, I Dibs can on... tame it. Dibs on Warlock. <laughs> and that's the reason, Kiri, right there. Poppy's attitude. I can We are going. That's the reason why. <laughs> okay, well, you... Then she'll tame it and turn into one. That'll be fantastic. It's... Yeah. Okay, you've mentioned Extra Life a couple of times now. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your group's efforts for Extra Life and what you do? Extra Life. Well, um, so really, um, this year's the first year. So Red Dirt, D&D, we're, we're little babbies. We, we're just getting started. But um, in, in the Oklahoma community, we are huge into extra life um and typically we've done you know the the traditional 24 hours we have a, a game store here in the city that hosts us literally for 24 hours and lets us run rampant through their through their game store um and so that's kind of that had kind of been our push for many years but obviously with the rona it is much more difficult to do that so um what Red Dirt is planning to do is um, sometime in the next month, so sometime either October or November, we are planning to do a live stream. Um, our very first official, yes, big live stream so that we can raise, uh, raise monies for uh, the Children's Miracle Network because we all, uh, we are all very, very passionate about it in, in different ways, but um, we're planning to also donate a portion of our Patreon revenue from the months of October and November to towards Extra Life, um, but also planning planning that stream. Um, and I've got I, I I have swag. We have ordered ordered some swag for those people who who help us. Uh, who help everyone us loves home. swag. Yes, we got some some lovely sneaky Boys. coyote. Uh, they're sneaky coyote holy symbols. So because our the the theme that I've decided for like because we also have conventions that are asking us like local conventions that are like hey we want red dirt to come and do a live show at our con even before we actually like had people um <laughs> between like Michael and I I think we know like every con organizer in the Oklahoma area uh it seems at least that's what it seems like to me yeah well it's because my Okie Geek podcast was all about talking to people who were doing comics yeah so in, we, in the area so we are we are legion that's very helpful yes <laughs> yeah um so yes yeah, so we had cons that were like inviting us like inviting us to come and then the rona um COVID! COVID! <laughs> um so yeah so we're kind of trying we're so we're gonna do the live stream and we're gonna um try it out but basically what we've decided is that all the live stream events are like non-canon to like the actual podcast so we can just do wild off the wall like stuff i think what we're we're planning for our first one is like everyone uh hands their character sheet one space to the left oh, oh god yeah and so it's like it's like poppy who come up with that idea that's great <laughs> uh so yeah so it'll be like it'll be like poppy it's like everyone got body it's the body swap episode where it's like it's poppy's voice but gideon's body and <laughs> 
it's gonna be great. Steam and whistles. <laughs> That's my, my mock copy, and I'm gonna oh, turn it into a rattlesnake. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I just cannot do this. Oh, I, can we just? Uh, oh my! Can Lord. we all play Poppy? I think we all want to play Poppy. Yeah. The oops, all poppies episode. <laughs> oops, all poppies. Hold on. <laughs> Dang it, guys! You got just... the notebook out. Gosh, stop it! it. He's writing in the notebook again. Well, this episode is called "Field of Poppies." Oh, nice. there we go. Now, now she's writing. I yeah. bet it'll be very popular. Oh, oh yes! Oh, the puns are flying. Uh, yeah, no, I got nothing. This isn't my writers. So. Uh, doing doing these like one-offs and non-canon things that's pretty cool uh, have you ever thought about though making the show itself just from uh, an audio podcast into a full-time like video actual play too much work <laughs> no i mean well i mean do you the, do you edit the audio or is yes you, the, yeah we we record it at this there's a performance space at kosu and uh, we are uh, blessed to have a job where I can do this. And, and so we go in there one Saturday a month and we record four one-hour episodes. And once those four one-hour episodes are done, I bring them home and I spend about eight hours on each episode, editing it down, putting in sound effects, putting in music. Our music was written by uh, Jeffrey McBride uh, who has this wonderful Western uh, theme? He got he, my wife's ex-boyfriend. He got in touch with me and said he so wanted nice. to, be, uh, to do the music. And so I said, "Well, you know, I've heard a little bit of stuff. It's great." So he sent me a lot of his stuff. He had to stop because he's a professor in Texas, and so when school started back up, he had to stop. So I've been reusing a lot of his stuff, but doing that and putting the editing in because I wanted it to almost sound like an NPR were to do actual Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Okay, and, so that makes me feel a lot better. Our our editor's not working that hard then, because we don't we don't need that much. <laughs> yeah, we just I wanted it to sound like it would, and a lot of people are saying it sounds like it's an audio drama, and that's what I wanted it to sound like an audio drama because we take our moments. To, you roll a die to find perception. Then you've got to look at the die. You've got to go over there. And, oh, it's a plus four, and I got to add four, and then um, get, um, get out. Yeah, um, uh, well, that's, uh, let me do some math here. And I just edit all that stuff out and, I, and, and just tighten it, make the sound a little bit better. So that again, when anybody listens to it, it sounds like they're hearing just straight audio drama, but realizing that it's completely improv. Completely improv. In fact, that's what some people have said to Ash. They've been like, who writes the script? And then Ash, of course, you've told them, no one. Yeah. I do like I do my I do my DM box text just to kind of have like an inspiration but then like 80% of the time I just end up like just riffing off of it and bouncing off of these amazing other people and, and they bounce off of one another so it's yeah there's been a lot of people who are like what do you mean this isn't scripted right. I mean and that's that's you know that's kind of a testament to the quality that you all are putting out then yeah we i mean we, again so we again we have been very blessed we have a very talented crew mm -hmm. everyone's really good at what they are at what they do and we 
we tell the story and we let the dice tell the story. So, and the decisions that they make, you know, I give, I give them the sandbox of the world and they go check it out and explore it. And they surprise, they surprise me, I surprise them. Um, I mean, the only, like, again, the only thing that I do regret is that sometimes you don't get to see like the, um, the gasps and the, like there, there was like one moment that I, I always keep going back to in my mind of just like this mo the moment when Wiley, uh, our main antagonist, when he showed up the first time, because um, like they were they were sitting they were sitting down to dinner at the mayor's house and everything was fine it was all lovely and then they hear the spurs on the floor as you know the the villain walks in and bursts open the door and that and, and like we cut you know because like that that was that was our the end of our hour so like we cut and just all four of these people are like what i think that's where you record in some um some narration like old old school movie style explaining like and now as you look at our cat our, our gathered group as they head out for the day you could see the shock and awe <laughs> Yes, it's yeah. It's just whenever, like whenever I, whenever I, whenever I twist it just a little bit, because you know they're all they're all trying to think ahead of me, and they're like, oh, what, 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 what is Ash putting in in this situation? Which which way are they going with this? And like I do something that they completely hadn't even thought of, and I'm just sitting over here cackling. <laughs> I figured it would be many more levels before I before Zonimus come across uh, Wiley before he come across him and. All of a sudden, there's an episode where everyone except for Wiley and Poppy are going to a place to talk to a person, and Wiley happens to be there. And the whole time that they're talking about it and interacting with him, and Mokran is interacting with them, I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I tell you what, it, it made me so <laughs> nervous. And I don't know if the audience would have saw my face. They would have been like, "What? Why? Why is Zonimus freaking?" I, I mean, it may have it may have brought a new level of suspense because it's like, "Oh, they're just talking to this dude." But why is Zonimus losing his mind and looking at Ash over and over and over again? Because I knew who he was, and I knew it was that moment where I was like, "Oh, just my brain was all over the floor. It just exploded." <laughs> Johnny Zonimus almost went with us to that location. They were I Mokran went and Johnny almost went. I mean Zonimus yeah. almost went. Yeah, 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 I did, but I decided to uh I accompanied Paul uh Paul whatever your name is. No. Poppy Polly Leafty, uh, because that was that was happening in the store there. Um yeah, I decided to accompany Poppy and uh just wow yeah i was like I, is this good is this bad should i be there is it uh, yeah and that's the it, beauty was, it was fantastic yeah and that's Sorry. the beauty of using D D as a storytelling medium because that's that's basically what we do and that's that's what i tell these people whenever we sit down to to work on this podcast is that D D is the storytelling medium that we so it's it's a slightly different thinking shift that Yes, we're playing a game, but we're using it very much as the structure for our storytelling. And so it's it's always so fascinating to think about like if just one person had made one different decision or if the dice had rolled in just slightly a different way, then suddenly we're off down a different rabbit hole. And 
that's that's what's been the most fun about about this project is just we, we talk about the what ifs and the what could have beens but the beauty is, is that the story exists in the way it does and you know and if we if we played the same campaign all over again it would be a completely different story sure sure so we're getting towards the end of our podcast so kind of as a wrap-up uh where do you see yourself uh in two years if you do well like what does success look like two years from now i'd say normally i would say one year but with the rona let's just call it two <laughs> the rona let's let's do um taking over the world <laughs> what is what is taking over the world look like um I wanted to get so I wanted to get at a point where we can like we can go to conventions and we can present this and you know like people people are talking about it and people are enjoying it because that's that's what I want to set out to do is is inspire people to think about their D&D games differently that you don't just have to do it in the typical kind of European-esque setting because so many fantasy games are that like oh we have to set it in vaguely Europe mm, no <laughs> no you can you can pull it over over here into something a little more Americana or you know if you're really passionate about uh, Australia as it originally was before the Europeans came in like you could tell that story and play that game you don't you don't have to do it in this very kind of pigeonhole box and that's the message i want to see in the world and i want to see more people like kind of taking again some of the similar ideas of like the callban frontier and like oh it's it's western dnd &D and running with it so kind of taking their own culture and putting that spin on their role playing right. games i think that i think that's a you know a very good thing to strive for okay well um Thank you all so much for being here with us on the round table. That is going to wrap up this episode of the round table. But before we go, um, we'll want to let all our listeners know where they can find you. We're going to go around and order on my screen. Michael, where can everybody find you? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I am at KOSU Michael C. And you could probably also find me on Facebook. That's Twitter is the best place to find me. I'm almost always on Twitter. KLSU Michael C. Oh, and uh, don't forget the uh, the Oki Geek too. And and the and the Oki Geek podcast. Uh, if you do want to follow a podcast that just basically talks, I just I just wanted a podcast where I could talk geeky stuff. So I just started about five years ago, and it's still running. So the at Oki Geek podcast also on Twitter. And that's the best way to find me there. All right, got both of those down then. Brooke, where can everyone find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Brooke Bullock, and then I'm also on Instagram, which I try to keep mostly Red Dirt-esque, and that's Brooke Bullock 3, uh, the number three on Instagram. I just want to know if it's Bullock Brooke or Brooke Bullock, because you wrote Bullock Brooke. I, I did, yeah. So it's at Bullock Brook okay. on Twitter. And then it could be confusing. It's Brook Bullock 3 on Instagram. Okay, that's not what you just said, but it's gonna be on the show page correctly, everybody. <laughs> there you go. See, thank you. It's 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 teachers. God, we're the worst. All right. Social media is hard. Johnny. So I am on 
I had to restart my Twitter because someone hacked me and put out a bunch of ads for Ray Bands, and I got I got from a band. Dumb. So I am the Johnny Payne at Twitter. It's J O H N N I E P A Y N E. I love my name. Um, so the Johnny Payne at Twitter. Um, uh, because of the, it's all new. I just ended up more active on Instagram, which is just Johnny Payne. I have an IMDb. Well, that's enough about me. <laughs> well, they got your name now. If you're the Johnny Payne, they should be able to find you on IMDb. Right. Yeah. Kiri? <laughs> I am on Twitter at Ginger Halfling. And then I'm also on new, newly back to Twitter, but I am also on Instagram, which is a little bit more active. Um, and that's at Kiri, K-Y-R-I, Danielle with two N's um, on Instagram. So that's where you can find me. And Ash, last but not least, where can they find you? And then where can they find the Red Dirt D&D podcast? So for me, um, if you want to find me on the Twitters, the, it is going to be L.A. Shadowed Heart. So La Shadowed Heart on the Twitters. Um, if you want to find me on the Instagrams and see all of my wonderful photos of my, uh, my amazing cats and my wonderful pupper, uh, that is going to be Ash underscore the uh, underscore Chaos Fox. Um, and that is that is me on the Instagrams. Um, as far as Red Dirt D and D, you can find us on uh, best place is the Facebooks, which is just Red Dirt D the letter N D uh, on Facebook. That is also uh -huh, that's also our Twitter handle. Um, we also have a website, which is just www.reddirtdnd.com, as well as our Patreon page, which is. Um, you know, www.patreon.com backslash Red Dirt D &D. And yeah, come come and support us because we're, uh, come come ride, come ride the Dwarven rails, you know, join us out in the Callbone frontier where, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get dust on your boots and, you know, the wind in your hair, but damn, is it a wild ride. It's, Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's always so nice um, when you can get all your social medias to sync up like Red Dirt D&D. Um, speaking of which, you can find me... We were surprised it wasn't taken. I know. You can find me on Twitter at Jenny Loveday. It's G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. You can find me on Instagram, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Or at my website, which is the same thing. JennyLoveday.com. Paige? You spent a while getting all those to match up. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Paige Lightman. That's spelled P-A-I-G-E-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. Or you can find me on the website that my husband and I have together, which is benandpagewright.com. I want to first give a big shout out to my ex-husband for making it so easy to get all my social media synced up. Thanks for the last name. But then you can find the Roundtable um, on Twitter at D, the letter N, D, Roundtable. Facebook under the same thing. And you can always shoot us an email to dndroundtable at gmail.com. If you got anything you want to say to us, anything, questions you have about any of our episodes, or just want to give us some feedback. Please like us on Facebook, leave a review on Facebook, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast. We appreciate your support and feedback. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.